Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. This week, for, for those of us who, who remain downstairs, if you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow along, you can turn to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27 is where we're going to be looking this morning. The last couple of weeks, as we've shared, a couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to share and to talk about this, this time that we live in, this space that our lives so often occupy that we would call, that we would deem the in the middle. The in the meantime, the time between what we've been promised, the time between what God has said he will do, the time between what, what we've been told and then the fulfillment of that, that, that we have to live our lives. And, and for many of us, if not all of us, on some level, as a part of that, right now we live in the meantime. And then last week, Derwin shared with us a wonderful message about the journey that we go through to see the fulfillment of God and the obstacles that can show up in, in that story as, as we walk through the story of Jairus and, and him trying to get Jesus to his daughter and the, the woman with the issue of blood coming along and, and the, the journey that we can go on. Well, this week, I, I kind of want to continue on some that same kind of theme, looking at, at the fulfillment of God and what it looks like to see the hand of God at work in our lives, even at the times when we don't understand it, and even in the times when it seems confusing, or, or maybe that we've completely lost what we thought we had. And this week, I want to, to push our understanding of that right to the very edge, to, to the very edge of that journey, to, to the point where it's not just, well, we're waiting and I don't understand the waiting. And it's not that we're in the process, but I don't understand the process and I don't understand what's going on. It's the moment, I want to look at this moment, like, like Derwin talked about last week, the moment when, when the servants come and say, your, your daughter is dead. I want to take a moment and look at the moments in life where everything falls apart. The moment where, where it all just comes crashing down, where, where we're trying in faith, we're trying to do, we're trying to be, we're trying to do all that God's called us to do, we're trying to remain faithful, and yet there comes this moment where it all just crashes down. And, and we're, we're left going, this isn't confusing. This is just gone. Moments in life where everything seems to fall apart. And it's in these, in these moments where, where things just seem to come undone that we have a choice in how we face the challenges presented in this moment. See, see you, you will have problems. You will have difficulties and hurts. Jesus told us this. You know, it's not, a, it's not the part of the verse that you get tattooed on your arm. It's, it's not the part of the verse that you hang up in your, in your house. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. That doesn't hang on the wall of anybody's door when you walk into their home. It may say, as for me and my house, we've decided to serve the Lord. But it doesn't say, in this world you will have trouble. But friends, in this world, we will have trouble. 
And in these moments, we, we have the choice where, where we either can give up or we can grow up. You can either become who God wants you to be or we can either develop a hard heart. You can decide how we're going to respond in the tough times in your life. When you go through difficult times, what we have to understand is as we go through difficult times, what happens to you is not nearly as important as what happens in you. See, we live with an, an urgency of the immediate. And so in our lives, as from my perspective, when I look at my life, and for you, when you look at your life, undoubtedly what is happening to you is the most important thing. Whatever, good, bad, you know, happy, sad, whatever it may be. I'm watching the, the, the Stampeders play, play the Argonauts yesterday. And, and, you know, the mood in my heart is directly affected by what I see going on in the field. Because what is happening is more important and, and it, it, it affects what's going on. But from God's perspective, it's less about what it is. It's less about what's happening to us and more about what's happening in us. And we, we, we have the promises of God that allow us for all that, and we'll talk about that in, in a minute. But if we go to the book of Acts 27, we have a moment where everything falls apart in Paul's life. And from this story, so we're going to look at our text this morning, I want, I want, I'm going to share with you three things that we need to be on guard against happening in our lives when these things happen. Th these moments in our life when everything falls apart and it, it's going to happen in your life. You're going to come to these moments. And if it hasn't happened, God bless you. I'm thankful for that testimony in your life and I've got some bad news for you. Because it's going to come. And so when we have these moments, I want to share with you three things that as you walk through this, you can be on guard for in your life. And then we'll talk about how we navigate through these, these circumstances. But first, some context for this morning. For some context for Acts chapter 27. Um, the Apostle Paul began his life as a man named Saul. He grew up to prominence inside the, 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 the Jewish cultural religious system at the time. Became a man of, of extreme prominence. Very near the tippy top of the pyramid. Until one day he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus changed his life. Changed his story. Changed his mission. Changed everything about him. Even changed his name from Saul to Paul. And from that moment, Paul became an evangelist like the world had never seen, and we could certainly say hadn't seen since. The Spirit of the Lord moved him. He was able to write two-thirds of the New Testament by the leading of the Holy Spirit, and he is just changing the world and turning the world upside down for God. The tension in his life, well, maybe not a tension in his life, but the tension for the world around him is that nobody else really appreciates this. That the church is growing, but the religious establishment isn't a fan of all the change that's taking place in the world around him. And, and Paul eventually ends up being arrested for being a Christian. The legal system operated a little differently back then. You didn't really need a charge. You didn't really have to break any laws. If you were just kind of a nuisance, 
that was enough for Rome. And Paul was kind of a nuisance because the religious establishment would complain about Paul. And then they became a nuisance. And so we'll just deal with Paul and then this will be fine. So Paul is in jail. But Paul, during the story of his life, he has become a Roman citizen. And one of the things that a Roman citizen can do is they can appeal their, their sort of charge. They can appeal their sort of conviction all the way up to Caesar. It's sort of like how we would, you know, appeal all the way up to the Supreme Court. Well, Paul can do that all the way up to Caesar. Now, Paul is doing that not because he's he doesn't even see himself as unjustly convicted. Paul wants to get in front of Caesar because Paul wants to share Jesus with Caesar. Paul sees this as a, as an event. I have the opportunity to get in front of the most important person in the world. Let's take that shot. Let's see what happens. And when I get there, I'm not going to tell him I should be set free. I'm going to tell him about Jesus. And so Paul makes this plan in his head that I'm just going to keep appealing higher and higher and higher until I finally get sent to Rome and I can stand in front of Jesus or stand in front of Caesar and I can say, Caesar, have you heard about my Lord, my Savior, my best friend, Jesus Christ? And he begins to, to this, this plan begins to unfold before his eyes. And, and as, he, 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 as we come to Acts chapter 27, as the book of Acts is unfolded, Paul is placed on side, inside of a boat and is being sent to Rome to see this take place. But the voyage, it's not a good one. It's rough sailing. Verse 7 and 8 tell us this in Acts chapter 27. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Sydney when the wind did not allow for us to hold our course. We sailed to the Lee of Crete opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lacey. Now, what you need to know is that the names of these places are irrelevant to our story. So you don't probably know where those places are. That's fine. It's not particularly important. But what we do need to take away from this is that the sailing was rough. It was a tough go. It was a slow go. It was a very slow process. Things were not going well. But the crew decided we're going to keep pressing on. We're going to keep pressing for. We're just going to put our head down. And even if it takes us longer, we're going to continue to get there. When we come to verse 13, where we have this moment where actually maybe for a brief flicker, it seems like things might finally be turning. Verse 13 says, or verse 9, much time had been lost and the sailing had already become dangerous. Verse 13 says, when a gentle south wind began to blow... They, the crew, saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and set sail along the shore of Crete. Finally, the wind kind of turns and it allows for them to, to begin to, to sail. But that lasts all of verse 13. Because in verse 14, we read that the weather changes again. It sounds like they're sailing in Alberta. That if you don't like the weather, just wait a verse. Um, it sound, that's what it sounds like in the Mediterranean. If you don't like the weather, just wait a verse and it'll change again. But verse 14 says, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. 
as we pass the lee of, of a small island called Kata, where we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. They passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground in the sandbars of Sardis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Verse 19, on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Verse 20, when neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They're setting sail for Rome, and it just goes from bad to worse to worse to worse. Till finally we come to verse 20, and everything has fallen apart, literally and metaphorically. The boat has fallen apart. Their only means of travel have, has fallen apart. Their hearts, their souls, their spirits have fallen apart. They gave up all hope to be saved. But it's in these moments I, I want to focus our time this morning because there are a couple things that I want us to take out of this story. When, when things fall apart, or in the case of this story, quite literally, when the boat falls apart, there's three things in this story where we can see not what to do. We'll come to that in a minute. But three things in the story that we can see what not to do three natural responses. See, the three things that take place in this story, they're the responses that would come naturally to us. They're, they're just what we would do with left to our own devices. This is what we will do, which is why we have to be on guard for them. Because if we're not careful when things go bad, this is what we'll do. And so we have to, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be on guard in our lives to not see these things take place. So the first thing that happened in the story and the first thing that we need to be on guard of in our life when things go wrong is first, don't drift. We read in Acts chapter 27, verse 15, the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So, so we gave way to it and we were driven along. The ship carrying Paul and the prisoners to Rome was, was in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and it hadn't seen the sun for about two weeks. So they couldn't get any bearings. They, they didn't know which way was north, south, east, or west. They were caught in the middle of a storm and they couldn't figure out which way they were going. And so the only thing they could do was they just let the boat drift. So often when we end up facing difficulty... We can allow ourselves to start drifting through life. We lose our goals, our purposes, our ambitions, even our dreams for our lives. Things don't go our way. And, and because we had counted on things going a certain way, when that doesn't work out, we're left with just a question of what now? We're left with just a space where we live, where we, what I thought everything was going to be, it's not. And I'm left with nothing. But just like in the story we read, drifting doesn't make things better. See, as, as we progress through that story and, and they began to let the boat drift, it didn't drift into good circumstance. It didn't drift 
into a good place that, where they found themselves. As the boat drifted, things got worse and worse. It wasn't a good thing. It didn't help anything. And that's the thing. When, when we let our life drift, when we just choose to drift through life because things haven't gone the way we wanted them to and so we just begin to drift, it never leads us to health. It never leads us to a better place. We just drift and drift and suddenly things start to become worse and worse and we end up someplace we never thought we'd be because we didn't try to get there, but we just drifted. The currents of life so rarely lead us to a place that's better than where we are. Even when things are bad, drifting doesn't make them better. And so what do you do? What do you do in this moment? When, when you thought life was going to be one way. You had dreamed life was going to be another way. And now you look and you go, well, the only thing I know to be true is that's not it. It can't be that. We drift or we turn to Jesus. We turn to our Father who said to us, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. See, we, we may say, I have no idea what comes next. But we can turn to God who says, I have a plan. We can say, I don't have a plan, but we have a God who has a plan. The second thing that we need to see in these verses. So we don't want to drift. But the second thing we don't want to do is we don't want to discard. We read in verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. The men in charge, they needed to lighten the ship so that they could try and remain above the storm. So that they could try and remain above the way. To try and get the boat any extra clearance it could to get over the waves. So they began to throw as much stuff out of the boat as they could. And undoubtedly they began very selectively. Well that's just extra. We'll, we'll, we'll throw that away. But as the time kept going it, they became less and less selective because they had no choice. And then they began to throw the important things overboard. The tackle and the food. They were discarding things they needed because the storm was so tough. When we get into a storm and the stress gets unbearable, we can start discarding things. We can start abandoning things. We can start abandoning values and relationships you would not have let go in in better times. We can say, I'm giving up on this relationship. I'm giving up on my marriage. I'm giving up on my friendships. I'm giving up on my dreams. I'm giving up on my church. I'm giving up on God. I'm giving up all kinds of things that if the situation was different, we would have never done. But things get hard. And as things get hard, we begin to discard. We begin to try and throw away things that we think, well, maybe this isn't helping. And we begin with, with a level of, of well, this, this is okay. But it can lead to, to giving up more and more and more. But see, God says to us, God says, no, 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 stay with the ship. 
Have you done this in your life? In your life, have, have you said giving up is not an option? Giving up is not an option. I will figure out how we're going to make it work. Have you done this inside your relationships? Have you done this inside your work? Have you done this inside your family? Have you done this inside your church? Have you done this inside your walk with Jesus? Because if we've never taken the step to say, I will not abandon this, we'll always be tempted to walk away. God can change situations. God can change personalities. God can do the miraculous in our life. We sang it. We clapped for it this morning. He is our way maker, our promise keeper, our light in the darkness. Even when I don't see it, he's still all of those things. He can change anything. But not if we're abandoning ship. Not if we're jumping overboard, getting out. It's never God's will to run from a difficult situation. It's never God's will to run when things get hard. God wants you to learn, grow, and develop. And the last thing from our text today, we don't want to drift, we don't want to discard, and we don't want to despair. Acts chapter 27 verse 20 says this, or that we read, said, finally, we gave up all hope of being saved. After 14 days in total darkness and giving up their cargo and their tackle and food, the passengers, they, they gave it all up. They had nothing. They didn't know what else to do. They'd forgotten. They had, they had given everything up. And it got them nowhere. And so in the face of the storm, in the face of their circumstance, they gave up all hope. How's your hope this morning? How's your hope for your storms? How's your hope for your difficult moments and places in life? As you look and you say, I don't know what else I've got. I don't know what else I can do. I think I've tried everything. I think I've given everything. Do we have hope? See, they had forgotten one thing. Even in a storm, God is in control. He hasn't left you. You may not feel him. But we sang it this morning. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. God is with you in the storm. He will help you through. So we come to this moment where it says everyone has given up hope. But then Paul stands up to speak to the people on this ship. And in verse 22, we read what Paul has to say. He says, but now I urge you, keep your courage. Let that be a word from the Lord for you this morning. If your hope is waning, if your circumstances are difficult, if you're finding it hard to look past the storm and the difficulty that you're facing, underline that in your Bible this morning. Highlight it on your, your Bible app. You can just tap it and it'll highlight it for you. I urge you, 
to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Temporary things will come and go. But not one of you will be lost. Goes on to say, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Beside him in the storm. He didn't yell from across the sea. He didn't speak as a voice from heaven, distant and detached from what was going on. But it says, an angel of the Lord came and stood beside me in this moment where we've all lost hope, where we're all afraid, where we all have, have decided this is the end. The angel of the Lord comes and stands, not at a distance, not yells from across, but comes and stands beside Paul. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. It's a weird promise. Don't be afraid. You're going to court. But God who has graciously, or God has graciously given the lives of all who sail with you. So keep your courage. There's that phrase again. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told, as he told me. Paul tells the people, I, I know it's fallen apart. I, I know it's a mess. I know it's afraid. I know all of these temporary things that give us hope, like a boat in the middle of the sea. They're all gone and they're all going to go away. But I also know what God has told me. What God has said, who God is, I'm going to stand on that, trust on that, and believe in that. I think it's an old song or maybe it's an old phrase. I'm not going to ask you to sing like Derwin did last time because nobody wants to hear me sing. But God said it, and I believe it, and that's good enough for me. Is that a song, Carol? In my head, it kind of had a rhythm to it, but I wasn't sure. But God said it, and I believe it, and that's good enough for me. All of everything tells me that God is dead wrong about all of this. But Paul stands up and he says, God told me. It really puts the words that Paul had to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul had written to the church in Corinth about how to respond in just this kind of circumstance. And now Paul, you know, some, it's really easy to give advice, right? I, it's really easy to tell someone else what to do. It, it can be really hard to, to do the advice we've given other people. But it's really easy to give. And in chapter, or chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, Paul gives some advice, gives some perspective to the church in Corinth when he says to them, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck 
down, but not destroyed. And it's one thing for Paul to tell the church in Corinth this as they're going through these things. But here we see Paul at the end of all things saying, I am at the end, I, everything is gone, but I'm going to trust God. And so what does Paul tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that allows him to have the perspective that he did in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and to live it out in Acts chapter 27? Verse 18 tells us this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. We don't look at the destroyed boat. We, we don't look at all the cargo we've thrown away. We don't look at all of the stuff that tells us this is it. We don't look at our circumstance. We don't look at the waves. We don't look at the rocks. We don't look at the, the ocean or the sea that we can't see the bottom of. We don't look at everything that tells us to have no hope. We don't fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. The boat was always going to go away. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but one day. But what is seen is eternal. When everything falls apart, we have the choice to see everything that's fallen apart. Everything that isn't what it was supposed to be. Everything that is a mess. Everything that's going to cause us to drift, discard, despair, and die. Or when everything falls apart. When Paul is in the middle of a sinking ship with dying people. We can choose to keep our eyes on what's eternal. What God has told me. What God has said. Who God is. And I'm going to stand on that. Trust in that. Believe in that. God said it. And I believe it. And that's good enough for me. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you. That in the storms of life, in, in the times in our lives, when, when everything just seems to come unraveled and everything just seems to be coming apart at the seams and all our hopes and our dreams, our desires, our longings, everything that we thought we had, even the things we thought we had from you, God, when in a moment it seems as if they're all gone and God, we're left beaten, confused, perplexed, persecuted, worn down, all of the things. God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to take our eyes away from the temporal, to take our eyes off all of the things that would rob us of our hope and turn our eyes and our faith towards you. Father, I pray for everyone here today who feels as if in their life there is trouble on every side. That in every direction they look, things are bad. In every direction they look, things are hard. In every direction they look, things are stressed. In every direction they look, things are unraveling. God, I thank you that your word tells us that even though we may have trouble on every side, that we will not be crushed. 
God, I pray for those who are perplexed this morning, those who are confused, those who look at their life and just, none of it makes sense. None of it is what I thought it would be. The answers that I'm given are not the answers I want. The questions I'm answering, asking, I'm not getting answers to. I don't understand. I'm so confused. God, I'm left wondering. I'm left wandering. God, I have no aim. I have no purpose. I have no direction. God, I thank you that your word tells us that even though we're perplexed, we're not in despair. God, I pray for those who feel persecuted this morning. God, for those who feel as if because of who they are, because of the, the faith that they're trying to walk out, because of their attempts to live for you, God, that they feel as if the world is just coming after them, that they feel as as they try and stand for you, God, that they're getting beaten and battered and, and knocked around, and that as they try and have faith in what you've said and what the Bible says and to stand on you and to stand on your promises, that it just seems as if things are getting harder and harder and harder. God, I thank you that even in the midst of our persecution, God, we're not abandoned. God, I thank you that you would say to us, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name. God, I thank you that we're not abandoned, that you are not leaving us, that even if it feels like we're standing on our own, God, I thank you that you're not, or that we're not. God, I pray for those this morning who feel struck down, who feel knocked down, for those this morning who, who and have been trying to stand and their standing has failed. Those who have been trying to stand up and to stand for you and, and they've fallen. They've been knocked down. God, I thank you that the promise that we have is even when we fall down, that you will help us get back up again. That even as we've fallen, God, you will help us rise again. That, that even though we've been knocked down, we're not destroyed. God, I pray for all of us today as we, we stand in the storm of life, as we stand facing the, the storms that, we, that are in our lives, or God, the storms that may, may come one day. God, my prayer for each one of us gathered here today. God, is that we be able to... Stand firm in you. God, that we would be able to say, like Paul said, God said it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I speak the name of Jesus over you. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. In Jesus' name. I speak the name.
would flee 